<laughs> while I'm sitting in my office trying to help all of you plan trips and, and make YouTube videos and write articles and stuff, John is looking up goblin names in Harry Potter. So <laughs> there you go. This is the Exploring the National Parks podcast with Dirt in My Shoes. My name is Ash, and I'm a former park ranger and the founder of Dirt in My Shoes. I think that the parks are best seen from the trail, and I'm here to make national park trip planning easy. And I'm John. I carry the kids on the trails, I tell stories, and notice all the things that Ash doesn't care about much, like trees. Join us as we show you around America's spectacular national parks. We're sharing our favorite places, fun facts, adventures, and misadventures. And we'll even throw in a little trip planning. Let's start exploring. I feel like pretty much the only thing people know about South Dakota is that it has Mount Rushmore. Yeah. (laughs) Do we even know where South Dakota is? Do we know what else there is to do? Pretty much not. Yeah. But everybody knows that Mount Rushmore is there. Yeah, absolutely. That is its major claim to fame for sure. There's a lot more to do, which we'll talk about in other episodes. But today we are focusing on the iconic and historic Mount Rushmore. Yes, I'm so excited. This is such a good place. I love visiting this place. It's actually one of our sons out of all the national parks in the country. It's one of our son's most favorite place to visit. The only reason being that they have ice cream. That's all he remembers. (laughs) I'm like, we get ice cream at pretty much any national park that we go to that has ice cream. So for some reason, this one really stands out to him. Right. Well, this one has historic ice cream. So it's very special. We probably make a much bigger deal about this ice cream than any other ice cream. Well, who doesn't love ice cream? (laughs) Yeah. So today we're talking all about Mount Rushmore. Uh, Mount Rushmore is a national memorial. So it is actually run by the National Park Service. I think a lot of people don't know that. Right. There are so many National Park Service sites actually right around this area, which is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk, we want to do some fun facts about Mount Rushmore, Mm -hmm. and we want to talk about different things that you can do there beyond just parking, seeing the mountain, and leaving, (laughs) which is typically what people do at Mount Rushmore, but there is more you can do and a lot of history and cool things that you can see and learn about while you're there. It's true. Uh, So much more than just, because I think you're exactly right. I think people kind of get there, see it, and leave, but we want to take some time to kind of explore it a little bit. But before we get further in, I have a game that we have to quickly play. This is before we get into the fun facts and learn everything, because the sculptor of Mount Rushmore has the most goblin sounding name ever. And it's so <laughs> it's a it's a pretty awesome name. And so like, and by goblin, I mean, like by like Harry Potter goblins. And so just for the listener, really, because you already know his name. But for those of you and for all of those of you who already know his name, this is just kind of a fun thing to th- realize how well his name fits into goblin <laughs> culture, I guess. So what I'm going to do is I've gone through kind of the Harry Potter series and figured out like the the actual named goblins that she has. And they don't really have like a first and last name. It's usually like something the awful, you know, or what's his name, the scary kind of a thing like that so i'm gonna i put a couple of the names together to make them like first and last names and then 
the job of the person listening, the game is to see if you can pick out his name among all the goblin names. Let me just preface this (laughs) by saying this is a perfect example of the difference between me and John. (laughs) While I'm sitting in my office trying to help all of you plan trips and and make YouTube videos and write articles and stuff, John is looking up goblin names in Harry Potter. So (laughs) there you go. Perfect example. Okay. Oh, yes. Let's go. Okay, so, like I said, just try to think of the one and be like, okay, that's the one. Algaf Bagrod, Brodrig Burguk, Irgit Narlak, Gutson Borglum, Gornak Griphook, Nagnok Odbert, Ranrock Rickbert, Ug Erg Urgruff. <laughs> Don't they all just sound like goblin they names? They do. Those are great names. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So the answer to the question, which one is the actual sculptor's name of Mount Rushmore, is Gutson Borglum. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Where's he from? He was born in Bear Lake, Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like 45 minutes from us. Yeah. Super <laughs> close. But he traveled all over the world. Like I was, I was going through his life. Holy smokes, this guy, he lived everywhere, it seems like. He lived in California. He lived in Utah. He lived in like Missouri. He lived, New, you know, Connecticut. I guess I'm the, asking, what's the nationality of his name? Oh, Danish. Okay. I think his dad was from Denmark. Okay. And then his dad immigrated here. And then anyways, he was born with the greatest goblin name, Gringotts. He deserves a picture on the Gringotts ride in Universal. <laughs> That's what I think. (laughs) I don't know if he'll appreciate you saying that, but it is a really good (laughs) goblin name. Probably not. So, but yes, he was the sculptor of Mount Rushmore. Let's jump into the fun facts. Yeah. Fun fact number one, the completed sculpture looks very different from the original proposed design. Okay. So you, I think you have an idea of what it was actually supposed to look like because you've been to the sculptor's studio. Yeah, so if you go into the sculptor's studio, there's a one-twelfth scale of Mount Rushmore in that studio. Right. And the studio was the second studio that Guts and Borglum used mm-hmm. while he was there overseeing the creation of Mount Rushmore. Right. So, yeah, they have a big sculpture in there of Mount Rushmore, but I guess I'm trying to think of how different it is from what you actually see on the mountain because I was thinking they were similar. Yeah, well, there's four different things that are different from the original model that he made and presented and was approved originally. So, Oh, the the glasses. That's not one of them. It's not? Oh, I remember. I thought they weren't going to put glasses or something. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, tell me. Okay, so number one, Thomas Jefferson was originally supposed to be on George Washington's right side. His right, not our right. Okay, I was like, but George Washington is on the far, far left. left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. as the viewer, he's on our far left. So originally, Jefferson was on Washington's right, our left. Okay. And the reason that they changed that is because as they were kind of getting things ready to go, they realized the rock on that side where Jefferson was supposed to be had too many parts that weren't like uniform and so they couldn't use that rock so they had to change everything up number two full upper bodies with arms hands and like jackets were all supposed to be visible all right yeah and we should say the four presidents that are on here are you going to talk about go ahead you say okay so you've got when you look at mount rushmore you've got george washington oh i don't know the order thomas jefferson (laughs) teddy roosevelt and 
Shoot. That's the last one. <laughs> Four score and seven years ago. Oh, yeah. Duh. Duh. <laughs> but I got the order right, right? Yes. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt, Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. Kay. Good old Abe. Yes, exactly. And now the president, so George Washington... The original setup wasn't like they were all kind of standing in a line like they have on the mountain right now. Originally, it was supposed to be George Washington kind of the closest to the viewer. And then he was going to be flanked on both sides by these guys, but kind of behind him, almost like they were standing behind him. Well, that sounds way different. Yeah, it's totally different. Like one of them, I think Thomas Jefferson was... No, I think Teddy Roosevelt had his like arm kind of like around George Washington a little bit. Abe Lincoln was kind of in the back, kind of like, what's up, dudes? You know, but they were kind of almost, it was as if George Washington started it and there he was kind of passing his mantle backwards in time or forwards in time, I guess. Uh-huh. Like like they were all just kind of like there to back him up okay. kind of a thing. So uh-huh. it looked kind of interesting. It was, it was a totally different setup than we have now. So it's really kind of interesting. And then... The fourth thing, now this one was a big surprise to me, but there was meant to be a giant inscription next to the presidents up on the mountain. Okay. Basically kind of imagine like the Ten Commandments, Moses coming down out of the mountain and he has those tablets of the Ten Commandments, you know, it was basically going to have the four presidents up there. And then off on Abe Lincoln's side, there was going to be this giant tablet with like, a short history of the first 150 years of the United States. And it was kind of, it was supposed to be a tablet in the shape of the Louisiana purchase. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was supposed to be huge. Like the letters were going to be like three feet tall and it was going to start in like 1776 and just have a whole bunch of different checkpoints throughout the 150 years to kind of showcase like things were celebrating. It wasn't just about the four men. It was about like set commemorating the first 150 years of this great country. I feel like that would be really hard to carve. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at so. Mount Rushmore now and you're like, wow, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. But to add in Louisiana purchase tablet full uh-huh. of <laughs> words... <laughs> <laughs> sounds pretty complex, if yeah. you ask me. Oh, my gosh. Well, and you think, okay, so we're going to get some other fun facts here in a minute, but it's just crazy. Like, it's already a huge sculpture on the side of a mountain. It would have taken so much longer and had so much more. It was just, it was going to be huge cool. originally. That's really cool. Yeah. So that's fun fact number one. What we have now is totally different from the original idea. And it's kind of fun to kind of think about, whoa. Things changed quite a bit. It's probably as you carve into a giant mountain, you realize things go a little slower than you realize, cost a lot more, and uh, you might want to simplify just a little bit. (laughs) Okay, fun fact number two. The heads of the presidents are as tall as five-story buildings. Okay. So they're huge. What is that, like 50 feet, 60 feet? About 12 feet per story. So like George Washington's head is 60 feet. Okay. Abraham Lincoln's is a little bit taller than his, but George Washington's nose is 21 feet. Yeah. Yeah. His nose is pretty memorable. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) When you're hiking around, you you won't forget that nose. Absolutely. It's it's just huge. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But I don't know. It's just so much fun. That's fun fact number two. The heads are just massive. 60 foot tall heads. And they're carved out of rock that is 1.6 billion years old. And the reason that this is like the perfect 
medium for sculpting is because not only is it like super hard, it erodes really slowly. It's granite, right? It's granite. Yeah. And so it was formed a long, long time ago. And then over years, you know, it was just brought to the surface. Everything else eroded away and like the toughest, hardest stuff remained. And so it erodes at one inch every like 10,000 years. Yeah. Which you have to imagine if it's that hard to get it to erode, it's got to be pretty difficult to sculpt something out of it too. Yeah. Especially (laughs) because you're up on the side of a cliff. So it's not like you have like access to normal, like a table (laughs) to sculpt on or anything, you know, you're hanging, dangling down this cliff, trying to use tools and get in there and get it sculpted out of some of the hardest rock right. that you can. So, well, well, they had to use dynamite for 90% of the rock that they removed. Yeah. And so they blew off tons of the rock that they used. And it took them 14 years to carve the thing to completion to what we have now. And so it took forever. And so they would use dynamite and they would blow off giant chunks until they got to about like three to six inches to where they wanted to have the sculpture eventually be. And then they used, they call them percussion drills, but they're ba- we would just recognize them as jackhammers. So mm. once they got it like three to six inches, they would jackhammer it out. And then after that, they had like this, I kind of imagine it kind of like a, almost like a rock sander, but it had like diamond bits on the end of it that they would sand off the faces to make it look as smooth as it is with their faces. But these guys that were dangling off the sides of the rock face, it's a 500-foot rock face. It's not like they had the safety measures that we have today either. No, they're just hanging off ropes. (laughs) (laughs) They each had like a little chair that they were sitting in that was just tied to like, it was a 3 8 inch steel cable that was lowered down over the edge. And so I think OSHA, you know, would have a a heart attack. Today, HR would have some problems with safety if they were doing this all today. Oh, yeah, but it would take twice as long to get it done. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's funny. I was thinking as you were talking about that, I thought, you know, that's an interesting skill set to have. (laughs) You know, like what type of people were volunteering or, or signing up to do this work? Yeah. Because it's not something that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I went to school for this. I know how to carve a 20 foot nose into a granite cliff. Right. Well, they were talking about on the National Park website, you can read about some of these different workers experiences. And they mentioned it's just like this was during the Great Depression yeah. when they were carving this. And so most of the guys are just like, well. I hate heights, but it's kind of the only job I can get, so... You know what else I saw (laughs) when I was reading about the ice cream? So they had a baseball team called the Memorial Team that was made out of workers who worked on Mount Rushmore. Uh And it said some of their hires for working on Mount Rushmore were specifically because they had baseball skills. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they needed a good pitcher for their team. And so they hired someone who could pitch, no not someone way. who could use a, a jackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> How are you with heights? Terrible. But I get on base a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was funny, too, because it was like 
and baseball is life. Heck yeah, man. That's the great American dream right there. Working on Mount Rushmore and playing on a baseball team. Like, it doesn't get any more American than that. No, that's awesome. Oh, I love it. Add some apple pie in there and you're good to go. Oh, but those guys, so there were 400 different workers throughout the whole project, basically. They kind of went through different, you know, groups of people, you know, people got hired and quit. But 400 people basically worked through Mount Rushmore and they removed like 450,000 tons of rock. Which you can mountain. see at the base of the mountain. Yeah, they, did, most, they didn't move it. <laughs> yeah, most of it's just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all. We've kind of covered a lot of ground there, but let's move on to fun fact number three because okay. it is so great. Okay, fun fact number three. Mount Rushmore was actually constructed in order to hide the fabled city of gold. Oh, no. (laughs) Cibola, El Dorado. They constructed it to keep all the gold from falling into Confederate hands. (laughs) Disney really let the cat out of the bag on that one. Oh, my gosh. Wait, what are you referring to? (laughs) I feel like... You don't know? Well, I, are you talking about National Treasure? National Treasure oh, too. Yeah. Those. Okay, listen. Nicholas Cage, John Voight, Helen Mirren. Yes. I knew that that was going to come up during this episode, so <laughs> I came prepared. I have seen the whole movie. I'd have forgot about the Lost City of Gold part. Oh, okay. Because I only watched the part where they like show Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. in the movie, which is ridiculous. I have some problems <laughs> with how that's portrayed. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. But, we both yeah. have our problems with that movie, but I actually don't have a problem with the giant city of gold. What's your problem with the movie? Okay, so my problem with it, let's <laughs> let's talk about this, because a lot of people go to Mount Rushmore and look for the lake uh-huh. behind Mount Rushmore. Right. Okay, so that's my first problem. <laughs> People, there is no lake behind Mount Rushmore. That is totally false. That was some fancy filmmaking. However, that lake is Sylvan Lake, which is in Custer State Park, like 15 minutes away. So it is right there. It's just not right behind Mount Rushmore. Right. Makes for some good cinematography. But here's my other problem with it. Okay. (laughs) Before you move on from there, on the National Park website, as you kind of click around and look at a bunch of different things, they actually show, and I think they do this on purpose, they show Mount Rushmore from behind on lots of different <laughs> pictures. I think probably just to prove that there's no lake Because they've got Mount all Rushmore. these people there trying to get behind <laughs> Mount Rushmore to the lake that doesn't exist. Exactly. Uh, okay, what's your other problem? My other problem with it is it is so unrealistic that they are standing there carrying, like, dumping water bottles of uh-huh. water on the granite. <laughs> Like, there is so much granite around that lake Mm -hmm. that for you to find a little eagle on the side of a granite rock that you've splashed a water bottle of water on (laughs) is so ridiculous. I was just, I was watching that scene again and I was like, no, 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 that's so bad. That's so bad. Okay. This is why we're married. This is so funny to me because that was one of the problems that I had as well. I wrote down like two problems I had with the whole movie and that, that was you can one of fi- them. Yeah, that you could find anything with a little bottle of water on all those rocks. <laughs> well, this is what I was thinking. Like as an avid hiker, I was thinking to myself, they're, they're spraying, they just like hand out five bottles of water. Yeah, like who was carrying all that water? Well, what I was thinking was like, dude, that's all your drinking water <laughs> for the day. You can't just sprinkle all your drinking water. You've got a freaking lake 
right there. Yeah, but know? they found the eagle and it was like in a side of a rock. It wasn't even on top. I mm-hmm. was like, there's no way she would have actually just splashed the water there. Right. It would have been on top of the rock. Anyway. Yeah, those little bottles of water scene, don't go very far. No, that whole scene was like, <laughs> that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. What I loved was how they kind of, the clue that led Nicolas Cage and them to find that was that the entrance shall only be revealed under a cloudless rain. So like, that's where they realize, oh, we got to sprinkle water on the granite. I'm pretty sure that eagle was in shade, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't, it just didn't work. But Nicolas Cage is one of the greatest actors of our time. And so you just have to watch his movie and appreciate it for what it is. Oh my gosh, the there's so much wrong with that statement. But um. <laughs> It is fun to see Mount Rushmore in movies and then see it in person. Mm -hmm. So that part of it, it's like, it's pretty cool to see it in a movie and then to stand there at the base of it and see it yourself. Yes. I think the one true aspect of the fact that there's like these giant things hidden behind Mount Rushmore is that... There is. Guts and Borglum actually did carve a giant like space to keep things hidden behind Abe Lincoln's face. Yeah. It's called the Hall of Records. Yeah. See, that's pretty cool. Yeah. If you ask me. Yeah. I wonder what's in there. Did it say what's in there? Well, I think this is my thoughts. They've said that they've stored like some porcelain things in there. But my thought is there actually is a passageway to a hidden compartment of Beautiful the lost things. city of gold. Lost city of something. They're giving us the cover story. Yeah, he just carved it, but then we don't actually really use it, you know? But I'm with you on that. I'm that not doesn't buying make the story. sense. Yeah, I I'm think sure there's, there's something in there. Yeah, exactly. You don't just leave. What kind of porcelain things? I don't know. Did they it just say specific. it just said porcelain? Yeah. Nah. They weren't specific. Nah. There's some gold in there. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there is some, like, people talk about that storage space behind Mount Rushmore, and it does exist. It does exist. So that's pretty cool. Right. But the lake is Sylvan Lake. So if you want to go to the lake, go to Custer State Park and go to (laughs) Sylvan Lake. It's not behind Mount Rushmore. Right. And save your drinking water because it gets pretty hot in South Dakota. Yeah. Don't just sprinkle it all over the granite. I would love to see, like, a major water fight like at Mount Rushmore, just like 4th of July, impromptu water fight. And, you know, just, I don't know. There's a lot of granite we could cover, I think. Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) For Nicolas Cage. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fun fact number four. Do you know why it's named Mount Rushmore? I actually don't. Think. It's true. Was it what? Who's who's Rushmore? <laughs> exactly. What does Rushmore have to do with anything? You know. So basically, let me tell you the story. Before Mount Rushmore was even like considered, you know, or a long, 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 long time ago, before it was even an idea, the Black Hills there was a lot of mining operations going on. Well, that's what brought everybody to the Black Hills was mining. They yeah. found gold. Exactly. Which is why there's probably gold behind Mount Rushmore. (laughs) Yes. The United States Treasury has a massive (laughs) amount of gold hidden right behind Abraham Lincoln's face. (laughs) I would not doubt it. Fort Knox has a second (laughs) adjacent or a a second property right behind Mount Rushmore. Yeah, exactly. Okay, continue. Mining gold. Yeah. So in 1883, there was a mine nearby called the Etta Mine, and it was, they thought, pretty rich in like tin and some other kinds of metals. 
And so there was a lot of people interested back east in kind of investing in some of these mines out here, you know, obtaining some of the rights or some type of agreement or like association with a lot of the mining operations that were going on back here. Well, in 1883, a lawyer from New York City came back west out to South Dakota to visit some of these mining operations, check them out, probably to secure some investments into some of these mines. Well, he was here over two year period of time, you know, multiple visits, and he got to know a lot of the men really well, you know, that were working in the mines. They were the best of friends. One day they were sitting at the base of a giant granite peak, kind of admiring it. And Mr. Rushmore, Mr. Charles E. Rushmore was sitting there admiring it. And he asks one of his compatriots, what's the name of that mountain? And they're like, "Uh, it doesn't have a name. And then one of them spoke up and said, we're going to name it right now. We're going to name it Rushmore Peak or (laughs) something along those lines, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so he thought, oh, that's super nice of you guys. That's fun. That's fun. Well, it doesn't have a name. You'll just name it after me. It'll be the name for a little while. Well, he goes back home to New York City. His friends back in South Dakota followed through on what they said and eventually got it recorded in the land office in Washington, making it official that it is actually Rushmore Peak, Rushmore Mountain, and Rushmore Rock. Hmm. And so it's just named after a New York City lawyer that took a trip back west over a couple periods of time and became friends with some of the miners out there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And then they chose Rushmore Peak to put the carving in exactly and so we just call it mount rushmore has absolutely nothing to do with the memorial oh that makes me kind of (laughs) sad it's funny but like oh (laughs) should have been named after someone local you feel like but okay yeah so it's a kind of a funny story you know it shows you how things get named it's kind of a little bit funny okay fun fact number five gutson borglum was famous for carving presidents' heads before he did Mount Rushmore. Okay, did he do the one in Georgia? He did do the one in Georgia, yep. Parsh, sort of. There's an f- interesting history there. Okay. But it's not just that one either. Okay. And so let me tell you a little about his history. So I told you before, he lived pretty much everywhere. He was born in Idaho, moved all over the country. He caught his big break after painting a portrait of John C. Fremont, and that helped him earn enough money and get enough projects done so that he could actually afford to go to Europe and he lived there for a while. While he was there, a lot of his work was actually displayed at Windsor Castle for Queen Victoria. Okay. His paintings. Uh, Paintings, I I didn't necessarily say, like some of the information on him didn't say exactly what it was. Okay. But while he was doing this and studying and everything back in Europe, he kind of came up in his mind, he wanted to develop kind of a truly American form of art. And so what it says here is while he was trying to discover this American style of art that he wanted to head up is he wanted to experiment with the emotional impact of volume, meaning like really big blocks of stone, larger than life pieces of art. Mm -hmm. And so after living in Europe, he came back to the States and he actually, out of a large block of marble, he sculpted a massive head of Abraham Lincoln. Okay. And after he finished completing it, he actually displayed it in a shop somewhere in New York City. And people were coming from all over the place to see it. Now, this is where kind of blows my mind because... Like time frames, it was like, really? No way. The son of Abraham Lincoln was still alive. 
because really you're thinking about this. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Right. This is like either late 1800s or like early 1900s kind of a thing. And so the Civil War was in the 1860s. And so a lot of these people were still alive. People that knew these people from the past were still alive. And so eventually Abraham Lincoln's son decides he's going to take the trip to go and see this head of Abraham Lincoln. And so his name was Robert Lincoln. He was the son of the late president. He was taken to see it. And when he saw it, he was just totally taken aback. He exclaimed, I never expected to see father again. (laughs) And so that really just like, people were like, holy cow, this guy is such, is doing an amazing job. And then because of that, people from Georgia, they wanted to carve like some Confederate generals into Stone Mountain in Georgia. And he actually didn't complete that job. Like he had some problems with, some of the businessmen who were funding the job, you know, he did do, I think the head of Robert E. Lee and the people that knew Robert E. Lee were like, holy smokes. It was, it was an extremely good likeness, Hmm. but there was some creative differences. And eventually, eventually Borglum just destroyed his model of it and then moved out to South Dakota where they had offered him Mount Rushmore. Interesting. And so he had a really interesting history when it comes to like political figures and, and presidents and generals and things like that. He's done a lot of, of work doing likenesses in sculpture, in paintings and a lot of different things for these people. So he had a lot of experience depicting national figures for a very long time. And Mount Rushmore really is just like the pinnacle. It's the apex. It's the it's the capstone of his all of his work. Mm-hmm. Mount Rushmore is the capstone of all of it. Cool. So uh, when, I don't know the timing actually, when was Mount Rushmore actually finished? So Mount Rushmore was finished in 1943. But okay, but it he t- actually it didn't took, finish it. And it took 14 years. Took 14 years. Right, but he passed away. Yep, he passed away in 1941. That is so sad that he didn't get to see it finished. I know. After all his work. I mean, I'm glad he gets all the credit now, you know, and we talk about him and it's his. Yep. <laughs> but <laughs> but it is sad he didn't get to see it finished. Yep. But it definitely, like a lot of the credit goes to the Borglum family because his son, Lincoln Borglum, ended up putting the finishing touches on everything. And the visitor center at Mount Rushmore is the Lincoln Borglum Visitor Center. So that makes sense. Yep. The Borglums were incredible sculptors, great artists, true Americans in a lot of ways. And they were were just so cool. But this is my last fun fact. We're going to move on from here. But fun fact number six, and I rarely do six. Mount Rushmore has been dedicated at least six times. Oh, really? Why? (laughs) So before work even started, it was dedicated in 1925 as a national memorial. Calvin Coolidge dedicated it in 1927 with the first carving, like the ceremonial first carving. In 1930, it was dedicated when Washington's face was finished. 1936, when Jefferson's face was finished. 1937, when Lincoln's face was finished. And 1939, when Roosevelt's face was finished. That's funny. (laughs) They're just any excuse to celebrate. (laughs) Exactly. It's like half birthdays. Yeah. Once you start dedicating one president's head, you've got to you've got to follow through or you'll have some angry people. (laughs) I always thought it was funny. Some of the presidents that came because Calvin Coolidge did one of the dedications and FDR did another one of them. And I always thought to myself, I wonder if they had any like hard feelings like if I would have been president 20 years ago. My My face face should be up up here. (laughs) Exactly. I remember Teddy. Come on. (laughs) 
he does not deserve to actually he totally does <laughs> he totally but. does but anyways those are the fun facts and i figure we'll talk about some of the presidents as we go on but this is an amazing place it's such a cool place to experience and explore and uh it's just a really fun place to learn about because there's so much you can learn about it's really the purpose of it was to celebrate or commemorate the first 150 years it wasn't just these four presidents you know the original purpose was to commemorate a lot of the founding principles of the united states well let's talk about the presidents right now because i feel like that's a big part of it why those four sure why were they chosen okay so in president coolidge's speech you know the former president calvin (laughs) cal cal exactly so in his dedication speech he covered why they're basically including these presidents and so i'll just kind of read from his speech just a short couple of sentences of regarding each president so with george washington he says It is but natural that such a design should begin with George Washington, for with him begins that which is truly characteristic of America. He represents our independence, our constitution, our liberty. He formed the highest aspirations that were entertained by any people into the permanent institutions of our government. He stands as the foremost disciple of ordered liberty, a statesman with an inspired vision who is not outranked by any mortal in greatness. So that one's awesome. Agreed. I totally agree. (laughs) Next to him will come Thomas Jefferson, whose wisdom ensured that the government which Washington had formed should be entrusted to the administration of the people. He emphasized the element of self-government, which had been enshrined in American institutions in such a way as to demonstrate that it was practical and would be permanent. In him, likewise, embodied the spirit of expansion, recognizing the destiny of this country. He added to its territory by removing the possibility of any powerful opposition from a neighboring state. He gave new guarantees to the rule of the people. Okay. So I think that one's actually really interesting. I love love Washington. His story, he's an incredible person. The fact that he didn't try to become a king and stuff like that. You know, he stepped down from power and really he, he... gave the institutions of our government the power they needed. And I love the one about Thomas Jefferson continuing the self-government of those institutions. But I think it's so interesting, the last couple of sentences of Calvin Coolidge about Thomas Jefferson, where he says he eliminated the like the opportunity for a powerful neighboring state to come in and battle with us. Because if you think about the time in Europe, Europe was always battling with neighboring states. Mm-hmm. You know, all the countries were always fighting each other. And so the expansion with Thomas Jefferson, the Louisiana Purchase, continuing the growth of our country moving west, eliminated a lot of the opportunity for a lot of neighboring nation states to battle with us like that. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. He says, after our country has been established, enlarged from sea to sea, and was dedicated to popular government, the next great task was to demonstrate the permanency of our union and to extend the principle of freedom to all inhabitants of our land. The master of this supreme accomplishment was Abraham Lincoln. Above all other national figures, he holds the love of his fellow countrymen. The work which Washington and Jefferson began, he extended to its logical conclusions. Oh, I like that. That is really cool. Yeah. And the Park Service on their site, they have another little blurb about about Lincoln that's cool. Lincoln held the nation together during its greatest trial, the Civil War. Lincoln believed his most sacred duty was the preservation of the Union. 
It was his firm conviction that slavery must be abolished. And Gutzon Borglum chose Lincoln to represent the preservation of the United States. And this is what Lincoln, a quote from him, I leave you hoping that the lamp of liberty will burn in your bosoms until there shall no longer be a doubt that all men are created free and equal. So that cool. one's, yeah. I mean, obviously he, he's one of the, if people were to name like their favorite presidents, one and two are always Washington and Lincoln. Yeah. And so absolutely he's the best. But this is one I think that people sometimes are wondering, why is Teddy Roosevelt up on the mountain? You know, I don't think a lot of people understand his contributions to the country. But President Coolidge said that the principles for which these three men stood might be still more firmly established. Destiny raised up Theodore Roosevelt. To political freedom, he strove to add economic freedom. By building the Panama Canal, he brought into closer relationship the East and West and realized the vision that inspired Columbus in his search for a new passage to the Orient. So President Coolidge really liked the Panama Canal. But the Park Service says that Roosevelt provided leadership when America experienced rapid economic growth. As it entered the 20th century, he was instrumental in the Panama Canal, but he was known as the trust buster for his work to end large corporate monopolies and ensure the rights of the common working man. Borgblum chose Roosevelt to represent the development of the United States. And this is a quote from President Roosevelt. He says, The first requisite of a good citizen in this republic of ours is that he shall be able and willing to pull his weight, that he shall not be a mere passenger. And I really think that the reason they put him up there is because he was in Newsies. Yeah, <laughs> Newsies. And I mean, I love him because, you know, yeah. he protected a whole bunch of land. So yeah. President... as parkies, we're like, oh, Teddy Roosevelt's the best. Exactly. He, like, he saved all this land for us. <laughs> Frank FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, when he was doing his dedication, he mentioned that about Teddy Roosevelt. He was like, basically, he said, paraphrasing that it's great that, you know, this memorial is being built here in the land in a place that Teddy Roosevelt thought was so special, you know, the wild outdoors, Yeah, you know, and so it's, it's a really cool thing. And so those four presidents, I mean, goodness sakes, they were important in so many different parts of history of our country. And they all stood for different, you know, strong principles that kind of made our country what it is today. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, I said this before, but when you're standing at the base of Mount Rushmore, and your the grandeur of it is mm -hmm. right around you. Right, it makes you even more like excited and grateful. Yeah, so it's, awesome. it's fun to know all those things about the presidents. It's really cool to know that, and then to stand there and just soak it all in. Yes. Okay, let's talk about some of the things that you can do at Mount Rushmore. Yeah, because. Uh, there's not a lot, but there is enough. Again, you don't have to just show up, look at the mountain and leave. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people do that. And that's fine if you want to do that. But I think for us, generally, we try to kind of experience a really nice, like well-rounded mm -hmm. experience while we're there. Right. And so that's important to me. I really like to get in there and just make sure that I haven't skipped over anything important or right. you know that I that I didn't give it the full amount of time that it deserves. Right. So Mount Rushmore is open year round. They don't run ranger programs during the winter 
typically. And so if you're wanting to really, you can still get in, like you can still take a self-guided tour. You can still get into the visitor center. There are still things you can do when you go in the off season. But if you really want to get in there and you want to join in on some of the ranger programs and things like that, which I think really make the experience special. Mm-hmm. I think it would be so cool to be a park ranger at Mount Rushmore because people are here to see the mountain, but like there's so much opportunity for you to enhance their experience while mm-hmm. they're there as a ranger right. doing these programs. And Mount Rushmore has one of my favorite programs in anywhere. Yeah, so, me too. <laughs> but you can go year round, but typically from like November to April, there's not a whole lot going on by way of ranger led activities or anything like that i think mainly because people would freeze to death outside we've been (laughs) we've been there when it's i mean it snowed on us last time we went to mount rushmore and it was great yeah (laughs) it was great it It was was really cold but there was like no people there yeah so it might be worth it you know if you if you don't care so much about the ranger programs and you just want to see the mountain and you don't mind (laughs) south dakota in the winter which i will say is a little bit rough (laughs) Uh, but it's, it's doable. So Mount Rushmore is only open during certain times. Like you can only go during certain hours. Mm -hmm. Typically during the summer, they're really long hours. That's like 5am to 11pm. And so you've got a lot of time there. So it's not like you're limited really, but um, you will want to check and make sure just the hours Mm -hmm. of the memorial when you're hoping to go. The last thing that I just want to mention is that a lot of people get confused when they get to Mount Rushmore. Your annual pass won't work here. So if you have a senior pass or uh, the America the Beautiful pass, any of those annual passes for the national parks does not get you in here because it's a parking fee, not an entrance fee. Right. So everybody pays the parking fee. It doesn't matter if you have the pass. You still have to pay the parking fee. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people get mad about that. <laughs> um <laughs> So when you get there, you will pay a parking fee. And then you park and you'll enter through. There's big like welcome area with columns Mm -hmm. um, and you'll walk through there. And that's where right after you walk through there, that's where you can pick up. They do self-guided tours, which is just like the little, I don't know, it looks like a phone. Kind of like an old school walkie talkie. Yeah. The handheld thing. (laughs) Right. Johnson, Johnson. Yeah. (laughs) They do cost money to rent these, but you can rent one and then it will, um, you can either sit down in one spot Mm -hmm. near the memorial and just look at it, or you can go from spot to spot. It will move you around if you want to. So that's an option. We don't typically do that just because uh, we like to go at our own pace and kind of talk to each other while we go, but there's nothing wrong with doing that. So, and then you get to the Avenue of the Flags. That's one of my favorite spots in this whole memorial. I love walking through the Avenue of Flags. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, it is really cool. So the Avenue of Flags is, it's just a big long walkway and it has all 50 state flags plus there's actually 56 flags total. So it has the 50 states, it has Washington, D.C., two commonwealths, and three territories. Right. So places so, like Puerto Rico yeah. and Guam and stuff like that. Yep. So you'll see all those flags. It's fun to find your flag from the state you're from. And that leads down to basically the Grandview Terrace, which is just the big flat part that you can stand and look out over Mount Rushmore. So, Which is my favorite viewpoint in the whole place. It's so cool. 
just standing there is so cool. Yeah. After you go through the avenue of flags and then you get to the to the terrace and it's just like, ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's really cool. So definitely do that. Um, And then after you do that, if you only have time to do one more thing, I would do the presidential trail. Mm-hmm. So That's a cool one. It's so cool. And what's cool about it, I really like hiking this one because it takes you right to the base of Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. You're literally like looking up George Washington's nose from (laughs) from the trail. So that's really cool. It's the closest you can get Mm -hmm. unless you have special clearance for the vault behind the head (laughs) (laughs) which i don't exactly fort knox clearance (laughs) exactly but yeah so that's a it's about a half mile loop there are a lot of stairs so i would hike it clockwise if you don't want to be going up all the stairs right most of the stairs are over on the the west side of it and so Anyway, just just a little a little note there if you don't like stairs, but it does take you to a few other views up closer to the monument. So I really I always enjoy doing that one. Yeah, it's great. It's so funny. I was looking actually at some reviews of Mount Rushmore. You know that like funny? I think I think it's like a fa- funny Facebook account that like does posters oh, uh-huh. for like. Like the fun. one star <laughs> national park reviews. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just like Yosemite bugs, you yeah. know, kind of a thing. But they have, I was, I was looking at a bunch of reviews for Mount Rushmore and it's just like, it's not as big as they say it is. You know, <laughs> it's just so funny. But like the picture, you know, shows you like people looking at it from like behind the gates. Like they didn't even go through the Avenue of Flags or something like that. But this presidential trail actually, I don't know, it, it, it looks really big from the, it makes from the it terrace. It big. But yeah. then you even get closer and closer. And then the grandeur of it, I mean, you really get to realize, wow, that is a 500 foot cliff face. This mountain is huge. Those faces are massive, you know. And so this presidential trail gets you as close to it as like if you were standing at the end of the presidential trail when they were carving it there's a chance that you would get whacked by a piece of granite falling off the mountain you know oh yeah well and that's so funny because truthfully if you don't turn off the highway right there and go in and park and walk closer to mount rushmore Uh it's true it doesn't look that big right because you're so far away. Yeah. It's like putting your thumb in front of the yeah. moon, you know? <laughs> it's not big. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, That's my gosh. so funny. People are people are so funny. <laughs> I just, I love it. And you'll see all types at Mount Rushmore. Yes. Because everybody wants to go to Mount Rushmore. Exactly. So. Well, that's one of the reasons why I like the Grand Terrace viewpoint that you talked about is because you're there with everybody from around the world. That's one of those places that everybody gathers. Yeah. You know, not everybody takes the presidential trail. Not everybody goes to... You know, the Sculptor's Studio or some of those other places. Honestly, most people don't do any of that other stuff. Right. And so even if it feels busy yeah, <laughs> right there at the terrace, if you go walk on the presidential trail for a minute, you'll lose oh. 80% of the crowds. Easily, easily. So, But if you want to have a democratic experience where it's just like, all of this is all of ours together, you know, then <laughs> you, st- you just stay at the terrace view. You know, and you enjoy it with everybody that's around you. But, you know, then you can do the other things and lose the crowds. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing. So you do have the Sculptor's Studio, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. It was Borglum's second studio. It was built in 1939. So there's a big recreation or sculpture of Mount Rushmore in there. But I think really the real reason to go there is because they do run a ranger program mm-hmm. every half an hour. 
right. uh, that talks more about like they show you the types of tools that they use and kind of how they <laughs> sculpted yeah. the mountain. And so that's a really cool program. I really enjoy that one. The other thing is you can go over to the visitor center. There's the Lincoln Borglum Visitor Center that's right below the terrace. In there, that's where you'll get like a lot of, it's a really nice visitor center. Yeah. But some big exhibits about Mount Rushmore as well. So Mm -hmm. that's really cool. That's also where you'll want to pick up a junior ranger book for your kids. Right. And definitely do that program there because it will keep them excited while you're able to learn more too. Um, (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Because I don't know, like a lot of kids aren't that excited to, you know, they're the ones who are like, cool, let's go home. (laughs) You know, what else? What else is there to do? Is there there? more ice cream? Yeah, I mean, I feel like when you're in somewhere like this, that has a really interesting history, and it's really iconic, you want to take the time to learn more about it, but it can be hard when you have kids with you because they might not be as excited to right. learn that stuff as you. But the Junior Ranger program really helps with that. Mm-hmm. So definitely do that. But my last like favorite thing to do at Mount Rushmore is the evening lighting ceremony. Oh, that is one of my favorite. I think that is my favorite ranger program in the country. It's so cool. It is really cool. So what they do here is they do like a whole presentation. They have this super knowledgeable and awesome ranger that gets up on a stage in this massive amphitheater. And he basically covers in really great detail why these presidents, why this country, you know, it's a really patriotic program. It's really fun. But my favorite part of it is when they invite like all the veterans in the crowd to come up and do the flag ceremony up Mm -hmm. on stage. And so you'll have people from like all different branches of the military, you know, all different generations of our country. You know, you'll have people that were in the Middle East when the army up on stage with somebody that was in the Navy, you know, during the Korean War. You know, you've got all these different generations, all these different war veterans up on stage. And he even mentions it in the program. He's like, a lot of these guys, they haven't done anything like this they haven't been recognized for their service in over 30 years Mm -hmm. or something like that you know this may be their only time in decades where we recognize them and thank them for their service and if you are a veteran or active duty military how cool is that that you get to be recognized at mount rushmore right in front of an amphitheater full of people right and you're outdoors it's beautiful Mm -hmm. mount rushmore is right above you they show a movie that tells you more about Mount Rushmore too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I the flag ceremony is my favorite too, just because I just I feel so much pride. <laughs> I am like, "Oh, thank you. You guys are the best." And then they light up Mount Rushmore. Yeah. And so then they'll turn on the lights and and Mount Rushmore gets lit up and it's only like a half an hour program. It's not very long, but it is literally one of my absolute favorite things to do. As far as ranger programs go, I can't think of another ranger program that I like better than that one. No, no, it it is really unique in the park service, too. And, you know, we're comparing it to like star parties and things like that, too, you know, where they point out Jupiter and Saturn. Which are also very cool. Which are really cool, too. But this is different. Yeah, Yeah. it's a very different experience, which is probably why it sets it apart so much in our mind. But yeah, it is really cool. It's a unique experience. You feel really patriotic. You feel super you, patriotic. You feel the way you should feel as an American at Mount Rushmore. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's the other thing that I would definitely, if you can swing that, it's it's usually later because they wait till it's dark right? so that they can light the, the memorial. So it is later at night. But even if you have small kids, I would make the effort to get there 
because mm-hmm. it's just it's really really cool yeah exactly the, and, oh i was gonna say you know because it is a little bit later at night they do have some restaurants on site at mount rushmore but also that parking pass that you pay for is good all day and so if you need to go out get dinner and come back if you wanted you can do that yeah we'll, we'll do that sometimes we'll drive down into keystone mm-hmm. for like the dinner hour go down there but we always do try to get back for sunset yes uh because sunset it's right behind Mount Rushmore. A lot of times the clouds right behind Mount Rushmore are just lit up and beautiful. And so sunset and the evening a lighting ceremony, it's just, it's unforgettable. It's stunning. And it's less busy usually. Yeah, it's true. Because <laughs> you don't usually have the big busfuls of people later in the evening. So right. that makes it nice too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you mentioned the restaurant. So we'll just talk real quick about the ice cream, which is a highlight for our children. And it's fun if you don't mind paying like $10 a scoop. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, when at Mount Rushmore, right? Yes, exactly. But the significance of this ice cream is that it is based off the original ice cream recipe that Thomas Jefferson brought over from France. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, it's the first written recipe for ice cream in the United States. Yeah, man. So, and you can see the original recipe, actually, they, they have it at the Library of Congress, but you can see it online too. You can see it, it's written in his own hand. Anyway, they have a local creamery that makes this ice cream for Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So you can get Thomas Jefferson's vanilla ice cream. Yeah, and it is actually really good. I actually really like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it's fun. So those are kind of our main things we like to do at Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. but we'll usually spend a few hours here. It's not just to come and see and leave for us, but join some ranger programs. Get out on the presidential trail is just really cool. If you want to see the lake that is not behind Mount Rushmore, then you can drive down the road <laughs> a little bit and go to Sylvan Lake. This whole memorial is just a really fun way to spend a half a day. So that is all about Mount Rushmore. We're so excited for you to go. We do have an itinerary for this area. So if you want to know kind of how to time your hours at Mount Rushmore and what we like to do during that time, that itinerary will have it. We're also like, we didn't even touch any of the other stuff that you can do in this area. (laughs) And so we do have an episode coming up specifically about like this whole Black Hills area. So We didn't talk about it here (laughs) on purpose right? because we have a whole nother episode coming up where we'll talk about all the other stuff that you can do around Mount Rushmore because there's literally, I mean, you could spend weeks here Mm -hmm. just playing around in the Black Hills and stopping everywhere and we have our favorite stops. And so that episode is forthcoming. Look for it. It will be here in a couple weeks where we'll, we'll actually talk you through what we would do in the Black Hills while you're at Mount Rushmore. So there's tons to do, but uh, we will see you. And hopefully um, this has been helpful and gotten you excited to visit beautiful Mount Rushmore. Thanks for exploring the national parks with us. Please share, like, and subscribe. And if you need any help planning your own trip, click on over to dirtinmyshoes.com. See you next week. Same time, same place. And don't forget to get some dirt in your shoes. Dirt in my shoes.